This is Animals Voice Podcast, presented by the Ontario SPCA, with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. We've got another great show for you on the way, so put your paws up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Animals Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McKenzie, and uh, joined today by my co-host, Callie Millman. How are you doing, Callie? I'm very well, Kevin. How are you? I'm very good. A lot of you uh, regular listeners to the podcast may know Callie from other areas of social media uh, on Animals Voice, or or I guess with the Ontario SPCA, I should say. Uh, Callie, you do appearances on the social. You're all over TV. I I feel like I'm constantly seeing you on television, radio appearances, and you do so much for us here at the Ontario SPCA. It's awesome to have you as co-host. Thank you very much, Kevin. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and uh, today, our, our guest on Animals Voice that we're joined by is Dr. Nicole Colapinto. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, we're, we're pleased to have you. You're a technical services veterinarian from Merck Animal Health. Yes. And we wanted to have you on today to talk to you about ticks, ticks in Ontario. I knew that there was a tick issue in Ontario when my daughter became frightened repeatedly after she would take our dogs into the backyard and come inside and say, Daddy, is this a tick? Daddy, is this? (laughs) And so I knew there was a lot out there about ticks this year. So it seems like a timely time frame to have you on and talk about this. So I guess tick populations in Ontario have been expanding this year, haven't they? Yeah, actually, over the last decade or so, ticks, primarily the black-legged tick, They've been expanding northwards from the U.S. into many parts of Ontario, and they're actually traveling at a rate of about 50 kilometers per year. So very rapid expansion. As the ticks spread, they move into these new habitats that are suitable for them. And if they're able to survive and reproduce, these become known as established areas for ticks. So the risk of encountering a black-legged tick in those areas is much higher than other parts of the province. Uh, That being said, ticks can also be found outside of these established areas, as they can be carried in on things like migratory birds or on animals. So according to Ontario Public Health, there's a risk of encountering a black-legged tick almost anywhere in our province now. Yikes. Wow. So knowing that this expansion is happening, you know, what are some of the main concerns for pet owners out there? Well, first off, I think one of the main concerns for pet owners is that a lot of them find ticks to be very unsightly. Uh, So they don't like finding ticks on their pets. And I understand that. Uh, Ticks will feed on many different types of animals, so including cats and dogs. And pet owners should be aware of where ticks can be encountered in their area and how to identify a tick. Uh, Once a tick is identified, it's also important for them to know how to properly remove it. And actually, I was looking at the uh, OSPCA resources, and there's a great video that the OSPCA has about how to properly remove a tick. Finally, pet owners should be aware that they can protect themselves and their pets from ticks. One more thing that I think a lot of times we hear more and more in the media is that um, ticks can also transmit diseases. In Canada, a tick-borne disease of increasing concern is Lyme disease, which is transmitted by the nymph and adult stages of the black-legged tick. Okay, so I'm terrified to leave the house now. I'm just going to tell you that. Uh, (laughs) The truth is I'm I'm not. I mean, with education and prevention, I think we can stay on top of this. So I guess one thing I want to know is what is the tick season in Ontario? Like, And is it different than other parasites that affect dogs and cats? Well, historically in Ontario, our parasite prevention season has really been sort of June to November, and it's coincided with warmer temperatures um, and the times that we see risk for heartworm disease and fleas. Uh, However, ticks are very different than fleas and heartworm. The black-legged tick is active whenever temperatures are 4 degrees Celsius and above. So there's even studies that show this tick can be active when there's still some snow cover on the ground. 
And often, um, you know, we see them in months when we traditionally would not think that parasites are going to be a concern. So to give you an idea of when the tick risk might be present, I actually reviewed some historical temperature data from Environment Canada. Uh, In February 2017 in Toronto, half of the month had days above four degrees Celsius. And when I looked even further back in December of 2015 in Toronto, I don't know if you guys remember, but that was a particularly unseasonably warm month. Three quarters of the month saw days where it achieved four degrees and above. Yeah. Uh, So the potential for tick exposure is not, it's obviously not every single day of the year in Ontario, but there is potential risk for exposure to ticks in many parts of our province every month of the year. And as a result, pet owners really do need to be vigilant for the presence of ticks when they're out and about with their pets on days when the temperature is four degrees and above. So earlier, Kevin mentioned his daughter having fear of going in the backyard and finding ticks. So I'm wondering, you know, where do we see ticks? What types of habitats would we find them in? Well, ticks prefer to live in in certain habitats. Uh, Many people think that ticks are only found in long grasses, but this is not really the case. Uh, Though long grass is a haven for some ticks, the black-legged tick actually prefers to live in forested areas in the leaf litter. But I really want to clarify something a little bit here. I do not mean that ticks live in only large fields and in forests. Uh, Really, they could be living in an overgrown green space in a residential neighborhood or in a treed ravine behind a row of houses. Ticks are not just found in rural areas. They can be found in urban areas as well. So basically watch our step wherever we go. (laughs) Be vigilant. Wow. Okay, listen, we have some other questions for you. We have to pay the bills and uh, take a little commercial break. We are visiting with Dr. Nicole Colapinto from Merck Animal Health, where you are a technical services veterinarian. We appreciate your time today, and uh, we appreciate you, the listeners of Animals Voice podcast. Please continue to share our broadcasts on social media. Please continue to submit show ideas, and uh, we're just appreciative that you find us on SoundCloud, you find us on iTunes, and subscribe. We will be right back. Did you know the Ontario SPCA has an adoption program created by the ASPCA called Meet Your Match? This fun initiative pairs potential adopters with dogs or cats based on their personality. It's like eHarmony for pets. When you take the online Meet Your Match survey, you will receive a color based on your personality and lifestyle. On your next visit to one of the Ontario SPCA Adoption Centres, the staff will take your results and help match you up with your perfect pet. For more information on Meet Your Match, please visit meetyourmatch.ontariospca.ca. Welcome back to Animals Voice Podcast. We're still visiting with Dr. Nicole Colapinto, a technical services veterinarian from Merck Animal Health. And we're uh, happy you're spending some time with us today, learning a lot about ticks in Ontario, where to find them, uh, how to beware. And uh, now we're going to get into, I think, some more uh, specifics. Callie had a question. I do. And I'm curious because before the break, you mentioned a couple of different types of ticks. So I'm kind of starting to wonder, what are some of the quick techniques that we can tell tick species apart? It's a great question. Uh, First off, you you actually want to make sure it's a tick. Um, You'd be surprised how often I get pictures sent to me with someone who thinks they've found a tick when in fact it ends up being a spider or a beetle of some kind. Uh, So a few things to keep in mind when you're trying to determine if what you've found on your animal is a tick. Uh, First off, ticks are actually in the arachnid family, which means in their adult stage, they're going to have eight legs. So what you've removed from the animal, make sure that it has eight legs. It's going to also have three life stages, the larvae, the nymph, and the adult. Um, All of these stages are quite small. So to 
to give you an example, the nymph is about the size of a poppy seed for the black-legged tick. And the adult black-legged tick is about the size of a sesame seed. So we're looking at about three millimeters in size before she's taken a blood meal. And even fully engorged with blood, they might only be about a centimeter. So they're very small and they're very hard to see. But if you know what you're looking for, it makes it a lot easier to find them. So once you've determined that it's a tick that you have found, we can actually tell what type of tick it is. There are dozens of different tick species in Ontario, uh, but based on passive surveillance work, about 90% of the ticks you're going to encounter are going to be one of two species, either the American dog tick or the black-legged tick. So how do you tell these guys apart? Um, Well, there's two simple things you can look at. One of them is you're going to look at the hard area or plate right behind their mouth part called the scutum. And you're going to look at the mouth parts of the tick itself. So when you look at the dorsum or the top of the tick, you're going to see this hard plate behind the mouth part, which covers in the female tick about a third to a half of her back when she's unfed. The area that's not covered is actually what's going to expand with blood and eventually with eggs before she lays her eggs. On the male tick, that hard plate or scutum, it actually covers his whole back because he doesn't need room to expand like the female. So if the plate or that scutum is brown and white, and if the tick has short, rounded mouth parts, you're likely dealing with an American dog tick. This tick does not transmit Lyme disease. However, if the plate is solid dark brown to black, there's no white on it at all, and the mouth parts are long and parallel, it's likely a black-legged tick. Another thing you can consider is actually when the tick is found. Uh, As I mentioned, that black-legged tick likes to be active anytime temperatures are above 4 degrees Celsius, or actually 4 degrees Celsius or above, so they can really be found any month of the year, whereas the American dog tick prefers to be active between March and September in Ontario, with peak numbers in May and June. So if you find a tick in December, odds are you're dealing with a black-legged tick. I know on our blog recently, we highlighted a pet tick tracker. Can, can you speak about that a little bit? Yeah, so the pet tick tracker was actually a tool that was coordinated by Dr. Scott Weiss at the University of Guelph. If you want more information about it, uh, as you mentioned, it was on the uh, OSBCA blog in May, but also you can go to Dr. Scott Weiss's blog called Worms and Germs, where he shares some additional information about the pet tick tracker. And basically what the tool is, is for is should a pet owner or a veterinarian find a tick on their animal? They're actually able to go on the Pet Tick Tracker website and enter in where they found the tick, what animal they found it on, how many did they find. There's even pictures on there to assist with identification of the ticks that are found. And what this tool is intended to do is to track the presence and spread of ticks on our pets, as this is really a rapidly changing situation. Wow. Okay. So now we've got a better idea. That was fantastic. Thank you for that description because honestly, I don't know that I had an idea of the scale of size or the very um, distinct differences between them. So now I've got an idea. I can recognize a tick. What do pet owners do now to protect their pet from ticks? So the recommendation to protect your pet from ticks is to employ what's known as a comprehensive tick control strategy. And that really involves several steps. So the first step involves avoidance, daily tick checks, and removal. This means you want to know where the ticks like to live and avoid those areas whenever possible. It's recommended that pet owners perform daily tick checks if their pet has visited an area where ticks may be present, and if a tick is found, making sure they remove it promptly as well. For recommendations on how to appropriately remove a tick, as I mentioned, there's a great video on the OSBCA blog, but if a pet owner doesn't feel comfortable doing it themselves, they can always reach out to their veterinary clinic who would be happy to teach them how. 
The next step is speaking to their veterinarian about using a tick control product that's specifically formulated for use on their pet. The product should be administered prior to the tick risk season and continued until the risk is no longer present. There are several safe and effective products available from veterinary clinics for tick control in our pets. Some are administered orally, others are applied topically, and it's very important to always administer the product as prescribed by your veterinarian. There are some products that are safe for dogs that can be quite dangerous for cats. And finally, you can consider Lyme vaccination for your dog. There are safe and effective Lyme vaccines to help protect dogs, which are available through your veterinary clinic. And pet owners are encouraged to discuss the need for these vaccines with their vet. You just mentioned Lyme disease, and obviously that's the big concern for dog owners and and I think most uh, associated with ticks. Callie, you have a dog. I have dogs at home, so I've always got that fear when I'm taking them out for walks. Geez, I hope we haven't encountered ticks. And if so, geez, I hope they don't have Lyme disease. So I I guess what I want to know is if pet owners are listening and trying to learn about this, what am I looking for to see if my dog may have contracted Lyme disease? And if I believe it has, what do I do? Great question. So Lyme disease in our dogs, it usually presents about two to five months after an infected tick has fed on a dog. And the clinical signs that may be present include things like a shifting leg lameness, so a lameness that moves from one leg to the other, painful joints, fever, decreased appetite, and decreased activity level. So if a pet owner is concerned that their dog may have contracted Lyme disease, the best thing to do is to make an appointment with their veterinarian. The veterinary team will collect a detailed history, they'll perform a physical exam, and they can even perform tests to determine if the pet has been exposed to Lyme disease. It's important, though, to also note there are other diseases which mimic the clinical signs that we associate with Lyme disease, so your veterinarian may want to perform additional tests to ensure the diagnosis is correct. Just because your pet has been bitten by a tick does not mean it has contracted Lyme disease. Okay, that's really good to know. So, I mean, we've got tons of information here. So where can people go to get more information on ticks and Lyme disease? Well, the best resource for people to talk about ticks and Lyme disease in their pet is their veterinarian. The veterinary team can talk about tick risks in their area, the need for comprehensive tick control, and the safe, effective, veterinary-approved tick products for our pets. They can also assess the need for things like vaccination against Lyme disease. If you want to do some research on your own, some additional information can be found at the Public Health Agency of Canada website, where they have some resources regarding ticks and Lyme disease across our whole country. Provincially, Ontario Public Health has information on Lyme disease in Ontario, and they create a map of Lyme disease risk areas in the province, which is updated on an annual basis. And finally, I always encourage people to reach out to their local public health agencies, such as Toronto Public Health, as they may be a source of information for tick risks and Lyme disease in your local area. So in review, you're telling me to stay indoors from June until November, and if it's above four degrees, that's what you're saying? No, not at all. I've missed the point entirely, haven't I? (laughs) You know what? Ticks are a reality for us now, um, and that's going to be an increasing concern over time as they continue to expand. And I think the most important thing is for us to be educated and empowered so that when ticks do become a problem, or if they currently are a problem for us, we are prepared to make sure that we can continue to live the lifestyle we want to live with our pets, 
and not let ticks get the better of us. Well, thank you for uh, preparing us for that. Uh, Dr. Nicole Colapinto with Merck Animal Health. We're grateful for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And thank you, the listeners of Animals Voice Podcast. And and thank you, Callie, for joining me as co-host. Very exciting times here. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Kevin. We'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you, listeners of Animals Voice Podcast. As I said earlier, for sharing the broadcasts on social media, for coming forward with great show ideas. We look forward to hearing from you more in future. You can subscribe to the broadcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, and we hope you'll do so. Until next time, we will catch you later. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website, ontariospca.ca. Animals Voice Podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. The Society would like to thank all our supporters. Together, we are the Animals Voice. 